Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Today's guest is an executive consultant and trainer. She is a professional singer and actor with a bachelor's degree in music business and a PhD in holistic psychology. She has multi-passionate business experiences in sales, retail, investing, and serving on nonprofit boards. Her gift for intuitive problem solving with cultural sensitivity has helped high achievers from around the globe find their voice for over a decade. She created her proprietary vocal archetypes system, training thought leaders in the art of confident and compelling communications, voice, and presence. Boy, that sounds something that uh, leaders could certainly learn from. She is completing her certification as a miracle-minded coach by Marianne Williamson. Please welcome Dr. Meluna Fausch. Hi, Meluna. How are you? (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Gary. I'm well. How are you? Well, you know what? I'm always excited to talk to people that, as I say in the business, have kind of a, a combination of a couple of different things that you bring together into the marketplace in a very unique way. So when I think about you being a a singer, an actor, a a bachelor's degree in in music and business, music business, and on top of all that, you continued with your education in holistic psychology. You're working on a coaching certification. You just don't stop learning, do you? (laughs) That term lifelong learner, that curiosity never goes away. If someone would just pay me, I would go to school full time and just study any number of things. <laughs> I, I can relate. I can absolutely relate. So let's let's go back in history a little bit, though, Maluna, and talk about a little bit about your early on. And I think you had mentioned in singing, you were into opera and your voice was your instrument. And you're now using that voice with your vocal archetypes to help others find their voice, which is a great metaphor that I've talked about many times for leaders and leadership being a responsibility, not a position is helping people have the skill to be able to speak up when is when it's needed. So let's go back in history and talk about how, how you got to where you are today. I'll take you back to when I was a little girl, little girl swinging in the backyard. And I would sing all of the television commercials. And Casey Kasem, some of us remember America's Top 40 with Casey Kasem, unbelievable deep radio voice that just wrapped around and I wanted to be one of two things a famous singer or a race car driver (laughs) (laughs) all right so I still have a need for speed I drive a hot little car and I follow formula one auto racing I did study piano and flute but you know what I kept coming back to the voice because I'm fascinated by actors and singers and ministers and spoken word artists. The power of the voice is unbelievable. 
And it's so unique because it's our voice in seven, what are we about? 7.1 billion people and growing on the planet. So I decided I was the most interested in voice. I was the best at the voice. I was curious and it's been a journey my whole life to find my voice. Yeah. Therefore I can give everything, every class I've ever taken, job I've ever had, bringing that work to my clients. So let's talk a little bit about this. I'm, I'm curious about this, this idea of vocal archetypes. And we understand what archetypes are, broad-based understanding and creative, some kind of model that helps us understand life, right? So what? talk a little bit about your vocal archetypes. And as a leader for me, as a, a coach of leaders, how do I use my voice in maybe applying these archetypes to be more effective in the way I lead others? Thank you. I created it based really on my spiritual learning and my metaphysics. And it occurred to me that we have, most of us have four phases of life, four acts, right, in in acting world. And so, for example, for a woman, you have the maiden or young girl, and then you have the mother voice. Whether you're a physical mother, you're giving birth. Women are always creating and giving birth. Then you have your queen years, the good queen, the benevolent queen, you're building your empire, you've finally got some wisdom in your life. And then we go to the elder, the wise woman. And I realized that a lot of folks think their voice couldn't be changed, or they only had one way of speaking. And for example, I hear women over 50 using the maiden voice. It's too high pitched, it's too immature. It's a people pleaser voice, I call it. It's a daddy love me voice. Now there are reasons, sometimes there's emotional trauma. There are many reasons why people do this. They maybe don't understand the effect. They cannot hear their own voice or no one has ever told them the truth. And so for you, Dr. Gary, at your phase of life, you're in your good king. You're in the sovereign voice. So the voice, the archetype recipe for you would be generally your sovereign as a guide for your clients. And once in a while, maybe you tell an appropriate joke, it's your young man voice, just for a bit. And then maybe if you're telling a story, a bit of the elder voice, not in an old man way, but in a, I've been on the planet a few years. And then, for example, let's say you have to fire someone or you've got to deliver hard information. A little bit of the father that cares, the compassionate father voice could come in. Sometimes we're a little softer when we use that voice. That's the voice of love, the mother-father voice. So it's an archetype and it's a recipe that's unique to you, but that's where you would start. So what you're saying is, is I, as I inter- interpret what you're talking about is, first of all, a lot of people are unaware of the voice that they're using at the time. And it could be any one of these four archetypes. But if they're using that archetype all the time, then there's going to be times when their ability to communicate and be heard is going to be diminished because they might be using the wrong voice at the wrong time. That's exactly right. 
it's like thinking we have one track on the CD. Oh, no, you've got so many tracks. And some folks speak from their left brain. Well, your right brain and your heart need to be involved. That's the part of the presence, the presence that I work with my folks on. It's not one dimensional. It's can you imagine if every bird had the same song? Pretty soon we couldn't hear it. We'd tune out. We'd stop listening. And so if we're too soft or we're too loud or we yell, you know, our leadership style is to yell. That is so ego-filled and one-dimensional. And that message will not be heard. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so I, it's when we apply this to leadership, this is fascinating because a lot of the work that we do with our leaders in coaching and leadership development starts with awareness. And you started off by saying maybe you're using your little girl's voice and at 50 years old, still using that little girl's voice and you're going to be diminished. People aren't going to listen to you. And recognizing that I have other options. And I, I think you, the phrase you use is my voice can't change or I, I couldn't change my voice. First of all, we have to become aware that there's a possibility that I can change it. Then I understand, like using your model, the different aspects of those archetypes that I could change to and then apply the right one at the right time so that I will be heard. You said it beautifully. It's an understanding of just how influential we could be, just how much we could change our leadership. If we understand that, number one, of course, I can change my voice, just like I work out any other part of my body, change my thinking, change my perspective. Of course, you can change your voice. Singers and actors, we don't usually just get up there and sing and act like a million bucks. Even though some celebrities will not admit it, they all have a voice coach. Let's be real. When you do a TED Talk, behind the scenes, six months to a year of preparation go into that. And if they don't have a vocal coach as part of that, I would really question it because that's a huge part. It's the delivery, which means my voice is heavily involved. Also, the voice is physical. Yes, we can't see it. So we've got to feel it. And I would invite folks to begin to think of the voice as multidimensional. I've got air in there, breath. I've got tone. I've got intention. I've got wisdom. I've got heart, depth and height and width. If we stop underestimating the power of our voice and assign more importance to our speech, everything will shift. Yeah. So when you really dig into it and you talk about, you know, like you said, pitch and pace and volume and, you know, you can feel with your voice, you can feel big, right? You can show your bigness, right? I'll lower my voice and uh, show my bigness and practice a little bit. And and that's really what you're talking about is, is applying it the right way. So, so I have a question for an actor, singer that got it. How did you, come to the realization that this was something that you needed because typically that's what happens to us, right? It's first what I need, not just when you're on stage, but in life. And then taking that and saying, gee, I really think other people need this and I think I can help. How did you come to that realization? What happened to you that caused you to step over that threshold? 
Yes, two things. I had so many voice teachers, specifically singing at the beginning, and I realized most of them really didn't understand the voice. And I would get helpful comments like, just sing louder. Well, what does that mean to sing louder? And singing louder doesn't mean you know how to do it healthy, healthily, if that's a word. Being louder doesn't really do anything. Of course, I can be louder. And so I realized the voice is still pretty mysterious. And I am a seeker and curious, as, as we've maintained that both of us are. I kept looking for that teacher who wasn't an academic, but was out there singing in the world. Because that's the only way you figured it out. I was in nightclubs right later on and doing jazz. That's how you find your voice. you got to be out there in the trenches to do that. And the other thing was, I was raised in a small town in a not very happy household. And you know what? I was told to be quiet and sit down and act like a lady. Nobody wants to hear from you. And so, you know what, Dr. Gary, my voice wasn't loud enough to be heard. I was terrified to be heard because in my house, that meant I would be hit or I'd have a big consequence. So when we're little kids, we get very wise and we turn down. Okay, in order to survive and be okay, I'm going to turn down. So I turned down my voice and I turned down my intelligence and intuition. And so when I got out there as an actor and we used to not have mics. Mm. So opera singers, think about how long opera has been around. There were no microphones. That's a very modern sort of thing. And so in the theater and in the opera, you've got to be heard in the back row. And I was not. I was afraid. And so I was heavily criticized and had to, had to get help and had to allow my heart to open and me to be okay, to feel safe, to be heard. Let that voice flow out. Yeah. So the, the power of your voice was always there. It was the inside mindset that had been created as a child to be quiet that caused you to hold that back, right? Absolutely. You're helping, you're helping leaders now to overcome these mindsets, to overcome their understanding of this is the only voice that I have. And, and with these architects, you open their mind to saying, these are other options. These are other possibilities for you. Let's start thinking about that first. Let's understand what's holding you back. And once we get that, that barrier broken down internally, then we can hear the voice externally. That's it. It's, it's that inner voice that is not being expressed externally. And so to answer the second part of your question, I work with actors and singers, but then I moved into business people because I am a business people. Mm -hmm. I'm an entrepreneur. I've done so many things. And I saw the cold call, right? Felt it, heard it, saw the sales presentation, saw how awkward the communication was and how much that was hurting business people, executives, CEOs. And I realized I could bring all that showbiz training and investor and entrepreneur, everything I'd ever learned and studied to help business people truly express so that they can be heard, get the pitch, get the funding, get the business they so deserve and need. So thanks for asking. That's how it became for business people, custom to them. 
Yeah. So how did you, how did you bring this? You got a PhD in holistic psychology. Let's, let's bring that into it. We've talked about your singing, your acting and your voice, but as I was talking about, it's the mindset, it's what's going on inside, inside my head often. So that really is a segue into, uh, into your psychology. How do you work with that now? What are, what are your approaches to helping people overcome their internal barriers? The psychology is helpful in understanding human behavior. I did not want to be a therapist per se, but I use it to do exactly what you said. It's our thinking that's usually interfering. It's usually fear-based thinking versus love-based. It's usually wrapped up with the ego. And so, of course, the ego is our little me. It's not the big me. It's not who we are. And its job is to protect us. So it's based on past, past information. And we usually make up a story that is not present time. It's not you and I right here, right now, where everything can shift. And I know you mentioned that I'm in the miracle-minded coaching with Marianne Williamson, as most of our thought leaders will know who she is. And it's shifting into using more of my spiritual background, and the power of understanding our big me versus little me, which is in my belief system, the divine you, the spiritual you, and you can call it whatever you want. But shifting our our perception, our way of thinking, understanding that we are capable of so much more if we just knew that and would go for that. Just go for it. Go for it without without the adolescent judgments that we have of ourselves that get in the way of our capabilities, talents, possibilities, and our superpowers, as I like to say. We love the word superpowers. That's exactly it. Our potential is huge. We just have listened to the outside and the culture and the mores and our parents and teachers. It's not who we are. That's not really who we are. So here's here's my thought on that. And, and the, the challenge that we have is because of our upbringing, we end up focusing on the things that we don't do well and we're told to do this better. You know, we get the C on the report card and the five A's and the focus ends on the C. And instead of the couple of A's that we could be a superstar to be great at, right? And as adults, we need to focus on that. But we become conditioned to focus on the negative, to focus on the things that we don't do well instead of the things that we might be able to do like world-class stuff. And I think opening that up is the way we become great in everything that we do. And it's the only way to become great as a leader is to be able to look at the things I don't do well and find other people to do that for me. Okay. It's just get, let, let me get somebody else to do that. Cause I, I really suck at that. And I, I, I want to do the things that I'm great at and it doesn't matter what it is, but to your point, as you said, to all the, the, the potential that we have when we start to focus on the things that we do well is what opens up the floodgates of greatness. Oh, I love that. Yes. And perhaps it's more of our generation. I, I have a feeling we're a little more similar in age. It was for me a steady self-improvement training. And that's exactly, well, you don't do that well and you don't do that well. And that I got stuck in that. I felt so bad about myself. Went down any numbers, helped 
any number of tunnels, I would probably say, helped other people build their dream. And you know what? It wasn't my superpower or my dream. It's exactly what you said. I hired an assistant. I hired a CPA. I hired a financial guide because I don't really want to do those things. I'm good at them, but not good enough. And when I free myself to do my superpowers and I'm happy and it's natural and I love it and my clients benefit and it's more meaningful, that's the key, as you said. Why are we spending all that time on things we're not good at when we could just hire that out and find our best COO, CMO and all of that? Yeah. And I, I, I also use that along the lines of teams, because unfortunately, in, in corporate world, a lot of times we all have these roles and there's there's barriers around these roles. And with with some sense of consistency and stability that's necessary. But within a team, if you can focus on what people do really well and share the responsibility of the team goal, then sometimes you can do some cross work from one role to another so that you're doing more of the stuff you do well. Somebody else is doing the stuff that you don't do well, but they love doing it. And all of a sudden you have an incredible efficiency, effectiveness uh, of a team that is world-class. It's breaking down those barriers again. Beautifully said. Absolutely. It, it's not either or, is it? It's not one or the other. It's joining together understanding the superpowers of each person and what they love to do and spend more time doing that. Absolutely. That would be an actual great high-functioning team. Very (laughs) high-functioning. And I'll tell you, I think here's the metaphor that just popped into my head. I'll share it with you. So you have a singing group. You've got kind of a chorus, you know, and they're singing. And you've got the the bass singer, their very deep voice. And then you've got the soprano. And you say, you know what? We're going to have you two switch roles. You're going to sing soprano and you're going to sing bass. Now go for it. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Physically, mentally. All the time, don't we? We force people into roles that they, they just, they can't do. All the time. So many folks I meet are in the wrong job for them. They are not happy. Their superpowers are not being used. They feel stuck. What you said, company rules, company culture. It is not a good match, not a good fit. So even in the same organization, if we can get people aligned with their strengths and singing the right part, their voice will be heard and it'll be freaking awesome. It'll just be awesome, right? It's a chorus that is gorgeous music to our ears, our heart, our mind, and we want to hear more. We want to hear that song, those songs. So tell me a little bit about if how do you go about helping people find their voice? Like get a little specific if there's somebody that you could uh, relate to without using names or a story you could tell me where somebody was trying to find their voice. How do you break through that? Thank you. Let me tell you a story of tea. (laughs) Okay. For confidentiality purposes. Yes. She's on my website, but yes, a lot of my folks do need to keep some things confidential. She was in a job, let's see, a new job about four months in. And this is a woman that has unbelievable skills. She is a an expert certified all of these things in Adobe and that system. 
And so she helps build systems and pipelines and all sorts of things. It would be even hard for me to tell you all the things that she does in that particular role. And she's very aggressive. And what we worked on with her, her pace was too fast. Now, you probably noticed my pace is purposefully slow. My intention is never to leave anyone out. Some folks have hearing challenges. Some folks, are, when we're in person or on camera, are reading our lips. Many folks are speaking many languages. So I'm purposefully at this pace. Doesn't mean I don't have other paces, but this is my choice. We had to slow her down. She had a team in India, Ireland, California, New York, cultures, personalities, languages, people from all over the world. So first we slowed her down. So the first thing was mindfulness training. We did some quiet meditation, centering. What is your intention when you show up? And we established her values, her intentions, how she wanted to speak, how she wanted to be seen, what she wanted people to say about her as a communicator and a leader. Slowed down the pace, got rid of her ums and filler words, lots and lots of ums and ahs, which are static interference. An um once in a while is okay. We all have our fillers. But when we say um, like, so, you know, right, it's interference. They're not definite words. We spoke a bit and worked a bit on physicality and voice coming more forward. It was a bit down in the throat, a little, little too swallowed. And then we moved into strategy, how to open the meetings, how to close the meetings, how to set up the meetings on email, setting the agenda ahead of time, how to call on people so they really felt included. Because she was so capable, people felt left out. And so in order to get that buy-in and that beautiful cooperation and have her seen as not only capable, but kind as a leader, those were some of the things we worked on. It worked so well, she actually accepted a promotion at a different company after six months. I knew you were going to say she got promoted. Yeah, I just knew it. I could just feel that coming. And here's the, the line that really grabbed me. And I, the reason it grabbed me, I think, is because I can learn from it. I don't want to leave people behind. And, and as I listen to your cadence and I listen to mine in my head and trying to be aware is I definitely talk too fast at times. There's no question. And a lot of it has to do with I'm, I'm more of a visual and I want to get the picture out. So I speak a little bit too fast or I have an idea and I don't want to forget it. So I, I blurt it out. It's like you were, you were saying, it's based on love and fear, right? So I'm afraid that I'm going to forget the idea. I'm, going to, I'm not going to get it out fast enough. And I like the mindset that you said. It's a beautiful mindset. I don't want to leave anybody behind. I want to respect other people's process of listening. If I want to be heard, then I need to be heard based on where they are to be heard, not where I am in my head and my voice. I just, I just love that. Thank you. It's, 
And since we're now on virtual meetings and fantastic podcasts like this, of course, on the podcast, it is our voice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's all about that voice and delivery. On virtual meetings, we can use, I have a little board I bring up, right? Write things. You can show pictures. There are so many ways to bring the stage to life, depending on what it is. And that's why I always invite folks to to be on camera. I think a lot of companies allow, if I could use that word, their people not to be on camera. But then we're missing the cues. We don't know if you're paying attention. We can't see your eyes and, and face and feel you. And we're missing so many cues already because we're not in person. So as you said, it's that voice and delivery. I'm not going to leave anybody out here. Right. Yeah, to your point, in important information, important and sometimes emotional or conflictual situations, 55% of the message is body language. So when you can't see the person, then you're depending on just the tone of the voice and the pitch and the speed and the frequency and all that and the words. And that's only 45% of the message. Now, only, only in a situation where it's critical, only in a situation where it's emotional, not all the time. If you're just giving me information then that information I can get 100% of. I don't need to see your face. But to your point, you can see whether someone is engaged or not engaged. You can see whether someone is understanding you or not understanding you. And the important thing is if I'm looking at your face right now and I say something that's a little bit quirky or misunderstood, you will involuntarily make a face at me. You'll, you'll like, you know, you'll kind of look, what, you know, what was that? You know, and, and your face will go funny and I'll go, what, where in it? What was that? And you'll say, well, I I don't understand what you're saying. And we'll stop because part of the conversation and the communication is to understand. It's not just to get the words, it's to understand. And I can only do that at times by stopping the conversation to see where I've had a disconnect and that's, that's impossible to do if you don't have video. It's impossible. So I highly support what you're saying, in, especially in today's day and age with video and getting people online. It's a tough, tough thing. It's, you're exactly right. It's the more we can connect to folks, it's just going to be better. Yeah. It's just going to be better. It's like you said, if you, I'll, I'll make a, my actor face will definitely make a face. <laughs> yeah. Now, some cultures that we work with, the the face, they're taught not to show emotion. And gosh, most of my clients, we do facial warm up exercises as well for presence and the voice resonating so beautifully. And so to me, the, the lack of emotion or sharing vulnerability in heart, that's a fear. That would be the fear choice, not the love choice. So it's what you said. The great leader is going to back up. Uh, it looks like maybe I lost you. Yeah. How can I do better? I, I need to say that another way. And we take 100% responsibility for what we just said. And how can we say it differently? Speak softer, louder, change the pitch, show a picture so that we are understood and the other parties with us, with us as much as we possibly can have them with us. That's where that magic and that understanding truly occur. 
Yeah, really maximizing as a leader, maximizing the opportunity and the leverage of our voice. And and by the way, I want I wanted you to know that before I get ask you my final question, I believe that uh, I have the I always like to during our conversation come up with the title of the podcast. So I have the title, and you said it earlier is "Get in the Trenches to Find Your Voice." Oh, yeah. Get in the trenches to find your voice. That, that's that I think is what my title is going to be. <laughs> and I I, I kind of like from a leadership standpoint, don't want to leave people behind. So I'm, I'm going to play with those two. But those two phrases will definitely be in the uh, in the show notes for this podcast. But I want to finish up, Dr. Luna, with the following question that I, I always finish up with and ask people. If you were able to write yourself a letter and send it back to Maluna 25 years ago, what would you tell that younger lady 25 years ago that might be helpful for her today? <laughs> I think it'd be a book, Dr. Gary. <laughs> well, I'm only giving you a page. <laughs> He's giving me a one page, get some one page. Lots of bullets. Okay. Lots of bullets. <laughs> Lots of little bullet points, clarity down to one page. Here we go. Listen to your own voice first and foremost. Do not allow others to push and shove you into things that are not right for you because there's always a timing. I would call it divine timing. And if your inner voice is saying not yet, your inner voice means not yet. The timing's not quite there. I would say, let's see. Learn to love yourself. And I'm not even using the word unconditional love anymore. One of my teachers just was saying, love is, is just love. And so maybe it's not unconditional or conditional at all, but we can stay in a space of love. So to get rid of my self-hatred, um, I'm going to use a filler word as I'm thinking. And release the fear in other words, don't be afraid to know you're enough and do what you're great at. Follow those superpowers and live fearlessly. Yeah, that's that's great. So find your voice, love yourself, and let go of the fear. Yes. I, I think that's a great message for all of us to follow. Well, Dr. Maluna Fausch, I thank you so much for being my guest today on Leading from the Front. And I will put some information so that people can contact you through the uh, show notes. But this idea and what you're working on with the, with the vocal archetypes and what you're doing to help others is just fantastic. Thank you so much for being our guest today. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thanks so much for joining us again on Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care, be well, and be great. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S.com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com.